to IEP Radio, a show dedicated to the education of all things indoor environmental quality related. And now here's your host, Michael Schrantz. Hello, everybody, and welcome to IEP Radio. This is episode 14. Today, we're going to be talking about a program that I've learned about probably in the past six to nine months. Um, it's been around a lot longer than that, but I just keep on hearing it from the clients that I work with, both virtually, boots on the ground, and it got to the point where I'm like, all right, enough's enough. We need to know more about that program. And the name of that program is Dynamic Neuro Retraining System, or DNRS. And obviously, we're going to dive into uh, what that is and how it can really help a wide range of individuals, and especially in my line of work, um, the clients I interact with on a daily basis who suffer from chronic illness and environmental exposure concerns. Um, and I thought, what better way uh, to uh, help us understand DNRS than its founder, Annie Hopper. And uh, you'll learn a little bit more about Annie Hopper in a little bit about her story. Um, just know that she is a journalist and health and wellness and environmental toxin expert whose life was turned upside down by a chronic debilitating condition. She knows the challenges and hardships involved with limbic system dysfunction, and she personally suffered from severe multiple chemical sensitivity, fibromyalgia, and even EMF concerns. Welcome to the show, Annie. Oh, thanks, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Annie, there is so much I'm hoping that our audience will learn today, but I was uh, hoping uh, that you, we could start with maybe your story a little bit about um, how DNRS came to be. I mean, how this all started with you. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, I came into this um, line of work, actually, just out of circumstances. Um, at the time, I was working in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada as a core belief counselor, and uh, I was renting an office space in an old office. And uh, unfortunately, unbeknownst to me, that um, office building had mold in it. And also, I, my office was located right next to the janitor supply room where they held all the industrial cleaners for the company and, uh, or for the building. And um, slowly, over a six-month period, I started to progressively um, get worse and worse in terms of symptoms and, uh, and health issues like uh, you know, having issues like insomnia and muscle twitching and um, an increasing list of sensitivities. Uh, that, um, not unlike a lot of other people, started with perfume and then escalated to uh, laundry products and personal hygiene products and, um, you know, cleaning products and just general everyday things that are involved in um, everyday living. And I was starting to develop, to develop sensitivities to a wide range of things that would actually leave me incapacitated. So um, that's how it started. And, you know, when I look at... Um, how I developed limbic system impairment. Um, that, was, that was part of the perfect storm for me. And prior to moving into that uh, office space, that new office, which was a really old building, I also had suffered from cervical whiplash from a car accident that I was in about six months prior to that, which left me with a neurological shake in my neck that kind of mimicked Parkinson's. So I had a series of you know, different traumas per se that actually led up to that perfect storm for limbic system impairment. Um, and then, you know, I started to get increasingly sensitive when I was still working in that building. Then I recognized at one point that it was a building that was making me sick and I moved into another building. But at that point, the damage was already done. I, my, my system was so sensitized at that point that I could hardly stand anything. So uh, if I had clients that came to my office and perhaps 
they had, um, you know, hugged someone on their way in and that just the residue of perfume or some kind of uh, chemical that was on uh, their body would uh, make me actually lose my voice. So I couldn't work with people anymore. And, you know, I was, I was living a very pristine lifestyle at this point by this time. And uh, in fact, for people to work with me, I sent them a personal hygiene list and they would have to wear um, uh, only things that I could be comfortable with. Uh, but inevitably, you know what, that just didn't work because the sensitivities got worse and worse and no matter what they did or tried to um, assist me in still working with this really awful condition, um, eventually I had to stop working. Um, and also at one point, so I was diagnosed with um, fibromyalgia as well. I had constant chronic pain and the kind of pain that didn't make any sense. You know, I would uh, go to bed at night and I would try to find a comfortable sleeping position and I could never find a comfortable sleeping position because I was just in chronic pain all the time. And it just moved from one area to the next without any rhyme or reason. And no matter what I did, whether it was diet or exercise or you know taking supplements or taking better care of myself just nothing seemed to really um, touch that chronic pain cycle uh, also towards the end of um, you know or the progression of limbic system impairment for me ended up with having sensitivities to emfs electromagnetic fields and at that time that's when um, yeah, it turned into a very strange science fiction, fiction movie. That's all I can describe it as. Uh, I developed sensitivities to EMFs. And what that meant was that I could no longer live in the condo that uh, James and I lived in in Kelowna because I, I couldn't get away from EMFs. I had become sensitive to wireless. I became sensitive to phones, to computers, to appliances, to everything. And it just seemed like it seemed so surreal. It's the only way that I, I can explain it. So surreal and so scary. Um, it was at that point that I realized that I could no longer live in my own house. And uh, at that point, I became what I call homeless and not homeless in the sense that people will typically think of. It wasn't because I didn't have money, but it was because my body felt that um, I was just in this constant state of threat no matter where I went. So the only kind of reprieve at that time was to actually get away from everything, get away from EMFs, try to avoid everything. So I ended up camping for a short amount of time. And then I ended up living on a broken down houseboat for a number of months. Um, so that's kind of where the story begins. And really the way that I developed the program was out of necessity. It was out of desperation. It was out of trying to save my own life. Your story actually gave me goosebumps because it, um, you, you resonate to, I guarantee you, those who are listening, a uh, vast majority of them will be able to relate on so many levels. And it's nice to hear from somebody who has done so much for so many that's been in the, in the weeds, been in the trenches. And, um, and you see that a lot with chronic uh, uh, illness, functional doctors, things like that, but even people like yourself. Um, there's so much here on your site and about DNRS. One word that I, I hear a lot of, and I'm going to cheat here by going to it, is neuroplasticity. Um, mm -hmm. Help us understand what is it and why is it important for our understanding of both the origin and treatment of chronic disease? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, neuroplasticity, the word itself simply means the brain's ability to change. That's it. So we know that the brain is changing all the time, which is good and bad. And how it relates to illness is that we know that um, 
certain types of trauma will definitely affect how the brain is operating. So it changes the structure and front trauma can change the structure and function of the brain. And when that happens, that can, you know, lead to all kinds of multi-system uh, symptoms. Like, you know, if your limbic system is impaired, then that will send alert messages to your immune system, your endocrine system, your, you know, all of the, your central nervous system, uh, will be responding in a different way as if there is a threat all the time. So, um, you know, we know that that, that trauma actually affects the way that the brain works and its structure and function. So if we know that neuroplasticity is neither good nor bad, it's just a principle of the brain, then how can we use the resource of neuroplasticity as a way to restructure the brain back to its state before the trauma took place? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. It does. Well, it does to me only because I cheated and did my research beforehand. But um, I think you're. I think you're making it very clear. Um, you see a bunch of other big words, though. You've introduced already uh, limbic system, right? See, uh, limbic limbic system injury or limbic system um, impairment. Uh, help us just reclarify what are these things and what causes it. Sure. So first of all, let's look at what the limbic system is. So the limbic system is uh, a deeper part of the brain in the midbrain, and it's known as the feeling and reacting brain. And basically what it does is it filters a billions of bit of emotional and sensory stimuli or information that are coming out of this at any given point. And basically it categorizes that information into two distinct categories, threat or no threat. Now you can imagine that if this um, system is not working functionally somehow, that it might start categorizing uh, stimuli that is non-threatening into the threatening category. And uh, basically that's what we try to do with the, with the program is really rewire the limbic system so that it's perceiving sensory information um, in a healthy way again. So what causes limbic system impairment? We call it impairment, injury, or dysfunction. So what could be the cause of that? Usually it's what we call the perfect storm. Any number of stressors can cause limbic system impairment. And usually it's a combination of things. Instance, you could have uh, chemical, chemical exposure or EMF exposure or a virus or bacteria or mold or... Um, uh, psychological stress or emotional stress. So it's usually a combination of those stressors that really push the limbic system past its tipping point in functioning in a healthy way, and then goes into this um, pattern, this disease pattern of um, illness. So how, how do we or how would you characterize then uh, a limbic system injury? Is there a way we can do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are certain functional images that you could have done in the brain that would certainly help you to look at, wow, is my amygdala overfiring? Is my amygdala bigger? Um, and amyg the amygdala is one part of the limbic system. And I'll look at those areas right now. So the, the amygdala is really the fear center of the brain and it's responsible for processing all emotion, but it's particularly good at responding to anything that is a threat. Um, the other part of the brain that we look at is the hippocampus, and that's involved in storage of memory and storage of memory and uh, as it relates to context of emotion. So involved in both long and short term memory. And we look at the hypothalamus, which is basically like your brain's internal chemist. It's making all kinds of uh, neurochemicals at any given moment in time to make sure that your body and your brain are, are in a state of equilibrium or operating at its maximal 
function. We're also looking at the cingulate cortex, which is an area within the limbic system that is responsible for not only where we focus our attention, um, but also um, uh, filtering that threat response, you know, and uh, when I was doing some research, I thought, well, you know, I, it doesn't feel like my cingulate cortex is actually filtering any kind of threat response because everything right now seems like it's a threat. So anyway, those are the areas of the brain that we're kind of looking at. Um, what was the next part of that question? Sorry, Michael. Well, uh, well, to go further, like what conditions have you found to be typically associated with a limbic system injury? Ah, right. Well, you know, it's an interesting question because at the beginning, when I created the program, I thought it would just be for multiple chemical sensitivities, fibromyalgia, chemical um, chronic fatigue syndrome, and electric hypersensitivity syndrome. But as the years went on, what we found is that it's not just those illnesses, it's also anxiety, it's food sensitivities, it's chronic pain, it's irritable bowel syndrome. In fact, if you look at uh, the website under uh, who can benefit, which is I think under the program, go no, about, mm, no, one more. Who right? can benefit, there it is. Who can benefit, there it is. So you'll see a list of, mm, a lot of conditions. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of people who can benefit because we know that with a maladapted stress response, if you have a maladapted stress response going on and uh, chronic inflammation, so that's going to affect a lot of systems of the body and express as various different symptoms and illnesses. So that would be a place to start is look to see, wow, on this list, do you this suffer from any going. Yeah. Do you, do, do you suffer from any of these uh, conditions? But also, if you look at our self-assessment questionnaire, that's an easy way to look at it too. Okay. So, clicking on that. Yeah. So the self-assessment questionnaire, we're looking at, um, you know, physical symptoms, psychological symptoms, emotional symptoms, and behavioral symptoms that might indicate limbic system impairment. Above and beyond that, of course, having a brain scan where you can actually um, see what your brain is doing. And I know that Dr. Mary Ackerley does a lot of work with her patients in uh, looking at brain scans and how the limbic system is actually um, presenting in many of her patients. And what uh, inevitably is showing up is that there is, you know, uh, dysfunction within structures of the limbic system. So rewiring the limbic system happens to be, well, from my perspective anyway, it, it seems like it's the missing piece in dealing with a lot of these chronic illnesses. That's certainly one of the reasons why we're talking today. I, um, mm -hmm. I'm just uh, tickled. Uh, the, 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 th the things that I'm seeing as an observer uh, with uh, the clients I work with, I understand it's from, from my viewpoint, is just fantastic. And we'll get to that. Um, so let's transition a little bit. Now that we know a little bit more about you know, the brain, um, how it works, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, could you provide us with a, an overview of DNRS as an approach to resolving limbic system injury. Right, sure. Um, so first of all, I'd like to define DNRS. So DNRS stands for the Dynamic Neural Retraining System. And uh, it is dynamic. It, it means that the people are going to be involved, personally involved in the recovery process. You know, I think far too often in the medical field, we, we, 
we think that somebody's going to give us a pill or we hope that there's a treatment that can help us, but we place our hands and we place our power in someone else's hands and hope that they can help us. With self-directed neuroplasticity, it's very dynamic and meaning it's, it's also self-directed, meaning that you are the driver's seat of your recovery. And we show you exactly a step-by-step -step process, how to rewire the limbic system. Um, so if I could define DNRS, it's a drug-free neuroplasticity-based way to regulate an unconscious fight, flight, or freeze response that has been triggered through various forms of trauma. And um, basically, we're helping people to self-direct and rewire the brain. Now, there are some there are five pillars that we've created to look at what are the pillars of recovery through DNRS and also an acronym that we call IMAGINE, which really keeps the principles in mind. So I think I'd like to go to IMAGINE first because it kind of gives you an idea of maybe how this program is different from other things that people have tried and what it's like to really focus on neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity as the tool for healing. So if we look at I in the word imagine, um, I stands for intention. So we have to understand that when we're, when we're looking at rewiring the brain through the DNRS program, that our intention is not to necessarily decrease symptoms right away, although of course that's our long-term goal, but our immediate intention is to really focus on, to, to recognize that the brain is stuck in a fight, flight, or freeze mechanism and can be sending false or distorted messages to the body. So like a faulty fire alarm that goes off daily, we step into the role of curious observer and recognize that a brain stuck in fight, flight, or freeze can have a negative downstream effect on many systems of the body. So again, our intention is not necessarily to decrease symptoms right away, but to strengthen alternative neural circuitry. M in imagination stands for motivation. And what we mean by that is, you know, the client has to be really motivated and have the willingness to become an active participant in their healing process. And like I said before, you know, our, our medical system has largely placed our, our clients in a passive role where they depend on others in the outside environment for the healing. So um, it's not an overnight fix. It does take a while to build up those no, new neural pathways in the brain. Uh, some people can start seeing changes within days or weeks or months. And uh, we always recommend that you practice a program at least uh, for daily for six months. But, but not to interrupt you, I know you're going yeah, through the, the sure. letters here, but that narrative about it possibly taking a long time shouldn't be offensive to anybody. I mean, many of the people no. that are listening here I've been dealing with for this for years or even been on quote unquote treatment programs for years. So, I mean, I've seen improvement with people that have been on your program uh, within two or three weeks, just understanding the fundamentals. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for saying that. And, and I, when anybody says to, that to me, well, practicing an hour for six months, it seems like a lot of time. I just say, wow, you know what, in comparison to the coping mechanisms that you have to do on a daily basis, just to survive when you have limbic system uh, impairment or related point. illnesses, right? Very it's powerful. like, it is nothing compared to that. So it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a great investment in your time and energy. So A stands for awareness and association. So it's really important that the person become consciously aware of these unconscious patterns that are really keeping the impairment in place. And it's not that they caused the impairment, they did not. You know, we know it's not their fault that they have a limbic system impairment. There was some kind of trauma that activated this. But now that we know that, we can actually look for certain signs that indicate 
when that pattern is being activated in the moment. So when we can actually bring conscious awareness to subconscious illness patterns that are operating and we can catch those in the moment, then those are the times when we can interject because the brain is in a heightened neuroplastic state when it's actually in those uh, illness patterns. So we, we actually capitalize on that moment in time. But it's really important to create awareness of what those patterns are. So that is the awareness piece. Um, and also, um, we have to start to change our associations that we've made. You know, for some people, I know for me, I'll just speak about me. When I had severe MCS, um, you know, the word bounce was like, just like a, of uh, kryptonite or something because I was so afraid of fabric softeners because fabric softeners, if I, you know, before I rewired my brain, if I would have walked by um, someone who was doing their laundry and they had laundry exhaust um, in the air, I might go unconscious. So that's how severe the symptoms were. So I became absolutely terrified of fabric softener and bounce happens to be a brand of fabric softener. So, you know, even to change my associations around that as I was rewiring my brain was really, really critical. Um, so I don't like bounce now. I don't use fabric softeners just because I think it's environmentally aware and it's a good choice to make. However, it doesn't scare me. And it does, and because my brain is re rewired, my sense of smell is actually normalized. So I don't get the um, reactions or pick up on the level of toxicity that my brain perceived that to be when I was sick. Right. So I really had to change my associations with things. So, um, you know, perfume to me was like toxins. So I was like, wow, you know what? I really have to change my association to that too. So changing your associations to what you believe the triggers are is a really big, important part of that too. And we're not saying that the stuff isn't toxic somehow or maybe bad for you but certainly we also understand and i'm talking about the two truths here you know truth number one is that we know that there are a lot of toxins in the environment we know that there's a lot of stuff that can actually cause trauma or injury in the brain but we also know this truth number two is that the brain has been impaired and because the brain is impaired it can actually be sending distorted and um inaccurate messages to the rest of the body. And that is the place that we place our focus on is that truth number two. Okay, yeah, truth number one might be true, but let's look at how your brain might be involved in the injury, in the illness, and how can we change the brain's responses to those right. types I, of things. The IEPs, the people like me are doing truth number one. You're helping us out with truth number two. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So we deal with truth number two. That's right. We've got all kinds of people like you in the industry that are doing all that really good work with truth number one, right? Yeah. Um, so G stands for gains and gratitude. So, you know, because we have a natural built-in negativity bias, and this is just true for every human being, for survival reasons, back when we were cavemen, it was important for us to know um, if we were being hunted. You know, we had to be able to assess our levels of threat or danger in a split second. So because of that, we're programmed to notice what's going wrong before we notice what's going right. So we're, we're, we're wired to look for perceived threat before we look for what's going good in our world. So you can imagine if we're, so it takes a little bit more energy to, to be positive. Yeah. It just basically does, right? Your brain's going to like just kind of default to the protective mode until we change our perception. Now, you can imagine if someone has limbic system injury or limbic system impairment and the threat and survival mechanisms in the, in the brain have gone rogue and they're 
reacting to everything. You can imagine that that negativity bias is now magnified times 1000. So it's really important that we consciously look for what's going right. And if we're noticing changes, because we're doing this limbic system rehabilitation, if we're noticing positive changes, then we really need to track those changes because otherwise we will naturally forget that the positives happened because that negativity, negativity bias has been magnified. Um, so we really just need to keep track of our, our positive changes as they happen. God, it feels like we're like naturally just our own worst enemies or we can be in the right scenario. Yeah, in the right scenarios. And, you know, it's all, you know, a lot of what this is, is a, a natural self-protective mechanism, which isn't that great that as human beings, we have all of these self-protective mechanisms put in place. But when they've gone rogue, then that creates a, a different set of problems, right? Sure. So uh, the other part is gratitude, you know, to really be grateful for the things in your life because your brain will default to whatever patterns that you use the most. So while we're in the process of rewiring the brain, we want to, we want to change our focus and we want to really um, make sure that we're giving more attention to what we feel grateful for in life. And that, that's not to say that this program is a, you know, simply a program on positive thinking or feeling grateful or any of that. It's not, this is just one of the ways that we can keep the brain out of that pattern of illness. And it's just one small part. The other part that uh, the I uh, stands for incremental training. And incremental training is a form of neural shaping that strengthens new neural pathways while desensitizing the old neural pathways. And this could um, actually mean triggering a small response in some way or form to create a heightened neuroplastic state in the brain because it's easier to make changes in the brain when the response is actually happening. So uh, incremental training is done in very small steps and in a very informed way. We would never expect somebody who's... Uh, say, you know, I don't know what they're sensitive to. I don't know. We'll just take an example of potatoes, just a food sensitivity. We would never say to somebody who has a sensitivity to potatoes that, hey, just change your thinking and you'll be able to eat potatoes and you can right. eat potatoes next day, right? That's not the way it goes. You know, we have to actually retrain the brain, do specific exercises to dampen the threat response, create different associations, not only mental associations, but physical associations uh, between the stimulus and the central nervous system response. So there's a very gradual way to do that in a very informed way. Um, N stands for neurological and emotional rehearsal. So there's a part of the program where we use visualization um, and your imagination as a tool to help the brain change its neurochemistry and change the neural circuits. So, um, you know, we look at when you're stuck in a fight, flight or freeze response, we're, we're generally, um, we're generally expressing a lot of, um, hormones that are related to the stress response, like cortisol, adrenaline, and norepinephrine. So we really want to get away from producing those and move into dose chemistry, which is D-O-S-E, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And part of the way that we do that is through visualization and using your imagination. So that's uh, one of the things that we do. The uh, last E in imagine is environmental awareness. And that's a big part where you step in, Mike. It's about, you know, is the environment that, you, that you're setting up 
a healthy and healing environment? Or is there some underlying issue that you might need to take care of before you actually engage in limbic system retraining? So we, again, that just points to the two truths that we were already talking about. Um, so limbic system retraining, uh, just an added little piece of information there. Limbic system retraining does not replace common sense. You know, we teach this um, program from a platform of environmental awareness because we realize the importance of having, um, you know, uh, um, a healthy healing environment. So that's imagine. So I think that more than the five pillars of recovery, that really covers everything in terms of looking at the principles that we need to keep in mind when we're looking at limbic system rehabil rehabilitation. The other thing that I wanted to add here is, you know, under eye for intention, we noticed that, uh, you know, we want to take as much as we can, we want to take our attention away from symptoms and really uh, move our attention to the rewiring process itself so that we can strengthen alternative neural circuits. But that doesn't mean that the recovery process is going to be linear. That doesn't mean that you're going to start noticing a decrease in symptoms right away or that that decrease in symptoms is um, an upward tra trajectory. It could be that you notice a decrease in symptoms and then you plateau for a little bit. It could be that you notice a little bit of an increase in symptoms before it starts to improve. So either way, our focus is about really strengthening alternative neural circuits and repeating the exercises and the mind frame that you need to be in to implement this program for a minimum of six months. And that makes sense to me. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's something from the gut that makes sense, but this idea that it's a recovery can look more like a roller coaster ride, ultimately with an end goal of success. But, uh, and I know that there's criteria to be met. Um, there's certain, uh, we'll get to that, I'm sure, uh, you know, the ideal person who's really ready for uh, DNRS. But every method I hear is, is never linear. I know there's a desperation. People want that light switch solution and they yeah. want it to be A, B, done. I don't care how much money it is for those who can play that game. It's never been that. And that's been my experience. Even with the environmental sampling, things change. Um, we're dealing with chronic illness. We're dealing with patterns that uh, even what you've just described uh, suggest state that it takes a while for things to retrain the right way. And mm -hmm. so this is why this is not stopping at your local convenience store, uh, purchasing something off the counter and thinking that you're going to have immediate results. But there are other pieces that I imagine do have that effective uh, immediate result. I think it just depends on the person and the, the situation. One For of the sure. things, one of the things that I wanted to, to also ask you is, you know, let's talk example. Um, let's throw an actual example in here and we'll use you knowing that you have experience with MCS or multiple chemical sensitivity for those of you who don't know. Uh, let's, let's pick on it. What is missing from the conventional or functional approach to MCS and how does DNRS address that? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think the missing piece is that complete avoidance and when, when you let me see if I can formulate a sense properly. Please, please. Uh, complete avoidance of a stimuli may not, may not necessarily, complete avoidance of a stimuli will not help you rewire the brain to that stimuli. So complete avoidance sometimes is not, um, is not uh, a way that we rewire the brain around 
um, stimuli. The other thing that, and it doesn't mean that you have to expose yourself to toxic um, levels of anything. It's just right. that you re reintroduce things that are in an incremental kind of way that make common sense, right? right. Um, the other part is fear. If you have fear that is associated with any stimuli, it strengthens the neural circuits that are associated with that okay. specific okay. stimuli. So we need to take fear out of the equation. We need to take fear completely out of the equation. So for me with MCS, I needed to recognize that, yes, while that stimuli was causing a reaction, I now knew how to rewire my brain around that stimulus and not be afraid of the stimulus. And it doesn't mean that the recovery process is naturally is necessarily a comfortable one. Yeah, you might still have some symptoms while you're in the recovery process, but that doesn't mean that you're not recovering overall. Does that make any sense? Uh, that so, makes that that hits home because um, you know that that goes back to the light switch dilemma where both of us are desperate to help people yesterday to get better. Yeah, There's yeah. no issue there. Yeah. But no, no narrative that I've ever heard uh, was um, that um, we'll take this and everything will go away. It's funny um, if anybody was to take DNRS the wrong way. You, you you've done a really good job to be very fair and transparent. No, it's it's you're looking you're looking to win the war you may not feel like you're winning every battle um but you are trending towards success and that that is the same thing that we experience whether you've been diagnosed with cirs lyme pans panda SIBO. you know the list goes on um mm -hmm. it's 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 a road to recovery and oftentimes what got us there wasn't something that was that immediate so it may take a little bit time to, to crawl out of the trenches yeah um, and, and, and also to add to that, you know, some people find they like, you know, some of the people that, you know, uh, they report changes right away, like within two days, within a couple of weeks. And I think the most surprising thing for me and how I knew that this was, it had to be the brain was my sense of smell. So my sense of smell was so heightened when I had limbic system impairment that I could smell chemicals from a mile away. You know, if you're in the same room with me and you had laundered your clothes and tied and bounced, that was enough to send me in a spiral for days. Actually, I wouldn't even be able to be in the room because I would, uh, yeah, start basically going into convulsions or what have you. So it wasn't even an option for me to be in the same room as people who had laundered their clothes and something that my brain perceived as potentially life-threatening. Uh, in contrast, now I can go anywhere and I can do anything because my sensory perception has normalized. So that putrid kind of toxic, uh, I'm being poisoned, I'm going to die smell <laughs> and taste that I used to have from being around any kind of chemicals does not happen anymore because my sensory perception has normalized. That's the so word, that, perception. Yeah. So that means that you know, if I'm no longer feeling like I'm being poisoned and my sense of smell isn't heightened through the roof, then that means that I have the ability to move freely in the world. So I can go where I want to go, do what I want to do, see the people I want to see, just do whatever I want to do in general, or go wherever I want to go. It doesn't mean that I don't have, that I don't have some environmental awareness, um, you know, in my back pocket all the time, but I am never, ever uh, restricted in where I can go and what I can do. And you took the words right out of my mouth with the environmental awareness point. You're always aware, um, but I think DNRS provides a pathway for people in, in a real world setting as, as demonstrated by the fact that how many people do you see 
um, probably usually fear-based, running from location to location, and they're 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 going down a rabbit hole. They're 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 they they may not know it, but their fear is driving into something that does not exist. It may be this idea of I have to live in a bubble. Our world, our environments aren't are, are have never been that. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to it's hard to create a true sterile bubble. Uh, I I know I've I've tested the hospitals uh, in neurosurgical operating rooms. You know it's not a bubble, and I think your model really quickly addresses some of those things. But it's not saying again not to beat a dead horse. It's not saying oh yeah no, go ahead sniff away all those chemicals and have have fun or and 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 ignore the twenty square feet of mold growth that's behind you. It's not that. It's just it's that it's the bad part or the damaged part of, you know, uh, of the brain that's not helping you. And, and I would say arguably preventing you from recovering. Um, and that's, that's where you come into play. That's that truth number two. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I understand why people would be, um, would feel fearful because their body's responding. Right. And right. when you have that kind of um, intense reaction in your body, you can't ignore it. It's like, oh my God, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm dying. I need to get out of the situation. And I did that when I had limbic system impairment because it seemed like it was the only option to survive at that time. And you'll do whatever you feel you have to do. And you, you'll do whatever you feel you have to do. But in light of new information about neuroplasticity and how the brain is actually damaged or impaired with chemical trauma, with mold trauma, with uh, various forms of trauma, then we have to recognize how has the brain been affected? What is the brain doing? How is it sending messages to the rest of the body, not only to the rest of the body, but how is it changing my psychological processes? How is it changing my emotional processes? How is it changing my behaviors? And then with the right information and tools, act back on the brain to change, stra- to change brain structure and function. Because the part of the brain that has been affected is the protective mechanisms. So you can imagine if those protective mechanisms have gone rogue, no wonder people are in so much fear. It just makes sense. Oh. That's actually a side effect of the actual injury itself. So not only is it a side effect of the injury itself, but you know their perception has changed so dramatically. And uh, it's affecting, affecting so many systems of the body that it completely makes sense. But that is based on an old paradigm. Now that we know that neuro- neuroplasticity is a part of this injury, we need to be able to dr- address the brain's portion of that so that we can normalize sensory perception and stop those um, distorted threat messages to the rest of the systems of the body. You know, and in the industry and the clients that you and I work with, I know we work from different angles, but chronic illness and, 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 and these labels, um, there's various treatments. And a lot of people talk about, well, if you do one treatment, you add another one, maybe it is conflicting or, you know, it's not always, I see this, you know, someone says, well, I'm following this protocol, but then they add a few extra things. And there's some people that say, well, that actually would negate the effect or cause problems. My question to you is, how do other uh, treatments or approaches fit or not fit uh, with DNRS? Hmm, that's a really good question and uh, not an easy one to answer, but I'll start Sorry, with- Sorry put you on the spot. No, 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 that's okay. First of all, I'd like to talk about, um, so if, if you're in a fight or flight, if you're in a fight, flight, or freeze response, it's really ineffective to start talking about trauma. So, you know, in typical therapeutic, so some people during the course of their illness will go, well, you know, my doctor sent me to a therapist because he thinks that, you know, or she thinks that, uh, you know, some counseling will help. 
Well, in a, a typical therapeutic uh, setting, what they will do is take you back to, they'll start talking and say, well, how are you feeling? And where do you think this stems from? And where does that trauma stem from? And it, it really kind of turns up a lot of trauma and talking about trauma from your past. And that's actually, from our perspective, really um, can be counterproductive to someone who's actually experiencing limbic system trauma, because we know that the brain is already stuck in trauma. So talking about trauma isn't actually going to help. Talking about anything that is fear producing is not going to help because we know that those fear mechanisms and the threat mechanisms are already firing too rapidly and too quickly. And even if you went to your counselor and you know you, they, you were able to reframe the experience and look at it from a different angle and you, know, you were able to do all of that, um, 10 minutes after you left the office, your brain would still be circulating in the what we call the limbic system trauma loop again. Okay. So when you're in a limbic system trauma loop, generally the patterns that people will uh, um, circulate or repeat are trauma-related patterns. And it's not because they're necessarily thinking about it. It's because the brain is stuck in a trauma response. So when your brain is stuck in a trauma response, it makes you think about traumatic events. So it'll kind of recirculate the same thing over and over again until you start rewiring the limbic system. And then it stops that pattern and you can move forward. So I would say any kind of uh, psychotherapeutic um, counseling that really takes you into the past to talking about past trauma is not really effective or encouraged during the rewiring process. Okay. Um, other forms of treatment, I mean, I, you know, there are so many different doctors and uh, professionals out there who refer people to the program now because they know that this is probably the missing piece in healing chronic illness. So I think that for a lot of other people, this could just be a, a complement to your other treatment. Um, whatever treatments you are getting, it's going to accelerate your treatment because if your brain is moving out of a threat response, then it, your body had your brain and body move from a state of survival into a state of uh, growth and repair where healing can take place. So if you're doing complementary methods, complementary treatments that would help either the brain and body get into that optimal state, then uh, DNRS could only complement those other kinds of treatments. Yeah. I think that any kind of treatment that has uh, you avoid like a, like avoid things in a really, really regulated, really extreme way probably would not be a really good match with DNRS because although we do want to, of course, be mindful of our exposures, we also don't want to live in a state of fear because you're right, creating the perfect environment does not actually exist and um, you know, we know that it doesn't work. Right. And, and how do you even define what's perfect too? I mean, we don't really yeah. know. True. It's a good this, question. This is truly, I feel a big part of the missing piece. Maybe it only represents 1% of someone's issue that if they could tweak it 1%, that would help. And maybe it's 99%. Um, I've seen, again, as an observer, uh, I've seen um, anything from the worst compliment I've ever got about DNRS uh, from a client I was working with was 30% improvement. That was the worst I got. And it's subjective. That's their opinion. They were in process. They hadn't completed the program. Most people I hear, and they've had all the labels, all the common labels that we're all listening here are all familiar with, CIRS, Lyme, C, just the list. A majority of them are, I don't know that a 180 is, is the right way to say it, but it feels like a complete change of direction to the point where you know, they're not even concerned about the same thing and they never, they don't end up addressing it and yet they recover. So there, it really does beg the question of really how was your limbic system injured or impaired 
and playing a role uh, because I learned a little bit, you know, I, I know that I was, I had the privilege of actually meeting you not too long ago at a recent conference and I, I don't want to get too off topic. I want to ask you a couple more questions, but you had talked about, um, this is not just a psychological, it, there's like a metabolic uh, influence, if I'm using those words correctly, at, at the risk of being wrong here, there's something powerful that you actually can affect your body just by the power of what you think and how you perceive a risk to be. Mm -hmm. Well, really, we're, we're trying to change the context of uh, the brain and body to one of safety. So, you know, Robert, Dr. Robert Navio had written a couple of papers about the cell danger response. And I found that really interesting because when the cell goes into a cell danger response, it means that the external environment, the, the extracellular environment is so threatening or toxic somehow that the cell actually shuts down and goes into a state of dour or the, what they say is a state of dour or freeze response. Now, that freeze response is actually sometimes good because... Um, you know, we actually go into a freeze response a little bit when we go to sleep and there's an appropriate time to have a freeze response. But if that freeze response is on chronically, then it's going to lead to all kinds of chronic illness. Um, and an, an example of how, you know, that freeze response is actually a good thing. You know, if a, if a cheetah is being, or, I mean, a gazelle is being chased by a tiger, you can imagine that the gazelle is going to run as fast as they can to get away from the cheetah. But at some point, if the cheetah catches up to the gazelle, the gazelle will play dead. It'll go into a freeze response. Now, as soon as the cheetah looks at them and goes, oh, you know, nothing to play with there. This, this one's dead. And the cheetah goes away. The gazelle will leap up and run again. So that's a, that's a, a way of looking at, wow, you know, we have this really innate capacity to go from this, um, you know, parasympathetic to sympathetic state or, or to this freeze response. And the freeze response, um, if it's on chronically, it leads to all kinds of chronic illnesses. Now, you can imagine if the limbic system is impaired and the chronic flight or flight or freeze centers are, are activated and they're sending inappropriate messages to all of the cells of the body and to all of the cranial nerves, the vagus nerve, whatever, and the cells are changing at that level, you can imagine if we shut off the cell danger response, that again, the brain and body can go from that state of survival into a state of growth and repair again. And those are some of the changes that we see. And that's why when you say, oh, I, I've, I've, I've met people say like, this is a complete 180. They live their life completely differently. It seems like the issues that they thought were issues in the past are no longer even issues. And I would suggest that's what happens when you rewire the limbic system and you turn off that cell danger response. And I think on that note, if you go down on the homepage now, we've added some uh, doctors. Uh, yeah, if you just keep going, scroll down. So here's what medical professionals are saying. So we have a whole list of doctors that are in the environmental field and other fields that are saying, wow, you know, I really think that this is a missing piece in chronic illness and thank you so much for the work that you're doing. But underneath that, you'll see a whole list of what clients are saying. And let's take uh, Giles, for example, the first guy on the left. So it says, um, oh, he said, I was at a big food store, specifically in the cleaning product section. None of those smells bother me anymore, ever. I remember how I used to avoid places like that. I barely remember though how bad it made me feel. After 29 years, it's just gone, 
gone, gone. Electrical field sensitivity, gone. PTSD, gone. And if you look at the uh, illnesses that he was rec recovering from, it says he recovered from multiple chemical sensitivity, food sensitivities, electric hypersensitivity syndrome, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep. And you know, so if you go down any of those, it was funny when we were putting this up, we thought, okay, well, maybe we could put in the testimonials um, and, and divide it into illnesses, but no one person generally has just one diagnosis, right? Yeah, when you have limbic system impairment, you usually have like a handful of different uh, uh, conditions and diagnoses that are um, that are involved with that chronic maladaptive stress response. So, are these some of your favorite stories? I mean, uh, you've been in this, uh, you've been teaching this DNRS for years. I mean, uh, you have to have uh, some of these amazing, the, this sounds amazing just what this guy mentioned here, Giles. Yeah, Giles, well, you know, that's a really interesting story. Um, Giles is, uh, is an amazingly intelligent human being. And uh, when I, you know, Giles isn't one of the stories that I, I typically talk about, but we'll talk about it right now. Um, I asked him, I said, Giles, you are a super intelligent human being. What was the, what was the change in thinking that needed to take place for you to recognize that DNRS or the brain was actually involved in some of the illness? And it wasn't as much about the environment as you once thought it was because he had been diagnosed with, you know, a whole bunch of environmental illnesses back in 1988, I think. And he talked about uh, Pernicus. And he said, you know, up until Pernicus, everybody thought that the uh, planets revolved around the Earth. And he said it was interesting, but not everything fit into that paradigm. He said, but when Pernicus said that it's actually the sun is the center and that the planets revolve around the sun, that everything started to fall into place. So he said it wasn't so much about the environment, although we do want to be environmentally aware and the environment can actually cause the injury to begin with. It's that once the brain has been affected, maybe through environmental factors, the brain can sometimes be even a bigger problem than the initial injury itself. So he said, it wasn't until I really looked at, oh, hang on a second, maybe the brain is impacted, maybe by rewiring the brain, I can actually change the way that my body and brain are responding to that stimulus. Um, uh, and that was the answer for him. So it was really, it was an interesting um, shift for him. Uh, one person that I would like to bring to your attention maybe is Connie, and um, I'm actually not sure where Connie's. Uh, I don't know um, if she's up here, or you, you direct no, me. Yeah, uh, go to uh, go to video success stories on the left. Yeah. All right, loading right now. And if you keep going down, Connie's right there. Can you see Connie? Okay. I can't so, see her right there. Yeah, have, have people watch Connie because Connie had uh, recovered from SIRS, what does it say? Chronic inflammatory response sy syndrome, mold illness, and chronic fatigue and food sensitivities. Uh, Connie used to be a chiropractor, so she's very you know knowledgeable about the medical system, about the body, about the brain, about that connection between that mind-body connection. And uh, Connie had had um, mold, uh, mold illness. And despite, you know, it was really interesting. Actually, you'll like this story. Because Connie had to move. She had to close her office. She had to move from her home. She had to move back in with her mom. Her mom's house had to be remediated. Connie slept in the backyard. I mean, it was, you know, all the stories that you hear about, right? Yeah. And it was someone who came in to remediate um, Connie's mother's house actually that gave her a copy of the DNRS DVD program. 
And Connie at that point was fed up. She's like, I'm not trying one more thing. These people just don't get this illness. And, but you know, her, her good manners took over. She thought, well, you know, this guy really went out of his way to gift me this program. The least I could do is to actually watch it. So she started reading my book and it made sense to her. She started doing the program. It made sense to her and she started to see changes. And now she's one of our instructors. So (laughs) (laughs) she fully recovered and is now one of our instructors. The other guy, uh, the other person that I'd like to draw your attention to, let's see if Riley's up here. Mm -hmm. There's Riley. So Riley had chronic Lyme disease and he was, he was helped. Well, I'll tell you at his worst, he was bedridden, um, unable to eat and could not speak and had facial paralysis for three years. His mom kept him alive by feeding him Dixie cup, um, Dixie cups of soup. And uh, he went to see a lot of different people. You can imagine they were desperate, right? They did fundraising. They were, you know, trying to get him to anybody that could help. And he did find someone in the States that was really helpful in um, assisting him with being able to walk again and getting rid of facial paralysis. And he still had a lot of issues by the time he came to DNRS. He still had multiple chemical like multiple chemical sensitivities food sensitivities ocd anxiety some movement disorder so we still had a host of things that he was still working with and um riley is fully recovered he also had mold uh exposure too and um and uh he's fully recovered and he traveled europe for a year on his own and this is somebody you know his parents didn't even know if he was going to live and now he is living his life and he's actually trained to be one of our coaches. And now he's a certified coach as well. So, you know, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I've watched so many miraculous stories of recovery and truly they they seem miraculous, but once you understand neuroplasticity and you understand the limbic system and you understand limbic system injury and that rewiring the brain and rewiring this area of the brain is possible and that, um, it can move the brain and body from that state of survival into a state of growth and repair, then for me, everything is a possibility now. So um, I'm just so grateful yeah. to be a part of this work and um, so grateful for the amazing team that we have and grateful for the research that's taking place. So we have an observational research study that has been conducted by McMaster University in Hamilton, and they followed 100 people that took the in-person five-day Uh, interactive training seminar that we have Um, and they followed them for a year to see how symptoms were changing what the quality how the quality of life was changing using seven standardized surveys the results are in Um, I don't know if the peer-reviewed paper paper has been written yet or it's been um, or if it's in a journal yet but as soon as that uh, um, is public knowledge I'll be sure to let you know for sure Um, And the other study that we have going on is with the University of Calgary. So we're looking at uh, patients with um, MCS or chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia and looking at how the DNRS uh, changes um, the brain specifically and other different markers over a period of time. And we finished phase one of that study. Um, It's still probably a couple of years out from being complete, but that's an ongoing study that we have too. So it's really exciting times for I think it's an exciting time to be alive and it's, a, it's an exciting time to be in the world when new ideas are being introduced and um, really integrated with healing. So yeah, I'm just really blessed to be in the position that I'm in. You're, you're, you're doing it for the two cents that it's worth. 
uh, you're doing it the right way. You got the studies, you're tracking things, you know, in our community that that's huge and you have a lot to hold your head up high. <laughs> Look at these stories. I mean, it, it's, it's powerful. Um, to the, to the audience, um, I know they can start here uh, and look look at these success stories. I've actually uh, seen a couple of them already, and it's just as powerful as it sounds. Um, and I know we've been kind of moving around a little bit uh, mm -hmm. on your website. Um, could you um, maybe help guide our audience and help them by saying, where can they start? You have an audience member that's interested. And they may even want to start this program. Any shortcuts, any tips you can give them? Sure. Well, first of all, look at the questionnaire first on our, uh, I think okay. it's under the program. Yeah, the, yeah, the program, the self-assessment questionnaire. There it so is. that's a yep. ser series of questions that they can answer. If you've answered yes to more than five of those, and likely you could benefit from rewiring your limbic system. So okay. I would start there. Okay. The other one is uh, you could buy my book and that's under services and resources. Got it. Yep. We'll so the book Wired for Healing under there. So they could purchase the book that, and the book will give you some science behind what I do and my personal story of recovery and also stories of recovery from a handful of other people that had various different chronic conditions and, um, and how they recovered through DNRS. So the book might be an interesting idea or a good starter to just kind of get you familiar with what it is that we're teaching. Um, or if they would like to uh, sign up for one of our programs, we have five-day interactive training seminars. That's where we host these five-day intensive, what we call neuroplasticity boot camp uh, programs in various locations in North America and in uh, Europe. So uh, they could come to attend one of these seminars. Now, I have to tell you, we try to we try to vet our venues as much as we can to ensure that you know they're a great place for the clients that we treat. Of course, you know, uh, I don't have any, I don't have a lot of control over what the hotels do, but we try to vet them as much as we can. I know that firsthand. We've worked together on, on a couple of those ideas. So you can trust what Annie's telling you. She does try to make it a, a nice and welcoming environment. Yeah. So that's the gold standard is really attending this five-day neuroplasticity boot camp. But for, if for whatever reason you can't attend the five-day boot camp, then the next best step is the instructional videos. And the instructional videos are 14 hour uh, video that takes you through the science and application of the program. Uh, it, uh, a lot of people have recovered just with the instructional videos. In fact, we've had a couple of our instructors who in the beginning just recovered with the instructional videos. For some people, that will be enough. For other people, it won't be enough. And they'll want a more interactive experience where they're feeling supported and they can you know, ask questions and be able to be in that interactive kind of group um, setting. Uh, but the 14 hour instructional videos are great. They, you, we have them either on DVD or through streaming video. So you can choose either one of those options. Now, whether you've gone through, so if you've gone through either the five day training or the DVD or the instructional video, you have access to book additional coaching with our certified coaches. These are all people that have been trained extensively in DNRS and have had their own personal healing experience with DNRS. Um, also, we, you would have access to the DNRS community forum. So we have, I don't know how many members are on there right now. I'm guessing at about 5,500 people that have gone through the process of healing or are in the process of healing and uh, they report their victories on there. We have great discussions about um, tips for training, all kinds of support on there for people. So um, yeah, 
that, that, that's what I would suggest. <laughs> Very good. No, this is excellent. Um, like I mentioned, just in closing, um, I, I know that your research in DNRS has been around for longer than I was aware of it, but it's crazy to see the power, uh, the reach that it has into the non-medical sector, call that the IEPs, what we do. We're, we're looking at the health of the home, not necessarily the health of the body and the mind. Um, it's amazing what I've seen. Uh, this is just kind of my own testimonial uh, to the audience of, of, of subjective or not, you know, I, I, I work with hundreds, thousands of people and been in different environments. And while your environment is, is very important and you don't want to ignore it, um, and he's point about, you know, maybe the brain can make things what wasn't exposure a lot worse because of the problems it's having. It's definitely something that you want to check out. And there's so much information on this website that you can learn for free. Um, it's not that expensive um, <laughs> uh, compared to the thousands of dollars um, uh, that people spend uh, on other issues, treatment, um, diagnosis, um, uh, remediation, throwing everything out of their house and then re re later realizing that maybe that wasn't what they needed to do. Um, it's, a, it's a drop in the bucket. Um, it's worth your time. Annie, I, I want to thank you. I'm just going to say for your groundbreaking work. I know it probably took a village and a community, and you've been generous. I've heard in your words to thank your team and people that have helped bring this to the light that it is. But thank you for your commitment, your, your passion, your time. And I'm going to steal a phrase that you have on your site, helping remove the mystery out of mystery illness. So thank you again for all you do. Oh, thanks, Mike. And thank you for all you do. You know, it it's truly there, there are way too many suffering people out there. And I think that um, it's our, you know, when we have answers, it's our responsibility to be able to share those answers with people that are suffering. And uh, I'm just so grateful for the work that you do too. I think that it's a, it's a two pronged approach, right? We want to make sure that people are living in healthy environments and we want to make sure that they have a healthy brain and body too. So uh, just thank you so much. It's um, my honor to be on the show. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you and uh, thank you so much. The content of this show is for informational purposes and represents the sole opinion of the host and its interviewees only. Any reliance on the information provided in this show is done at your own risk. Additional opinions and or research may change our current view of the topics spoken in this show. We do our best to minimize any inaccuracies presented and make legitimate efforts to back all comments with our own field experience, independent literature, or studies that support the topics discussed. This information should not be used to make conclusive decisions regarding your health or exposure. Ultimately, all questions and or concerns regarding your health should be addressed by a qualified physician. Additional exposure concerns and or questions pertaining to the health of your home or building should be addressed by qualified and on-site professionals. Any and all products and services discussed in this show should not be construed as a recommendation, endorsement, or guarantee that their use is appropriate for your situation. In short, we hope this information is of value to you, but please do not act upon it without actual and individual consultation and guidance by professionals who have taken the time and appropriate collection of data to assess your unique situation.